uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, we got a lot to get to today. Yeah, I tell you what, Carson, between uh, Oklahoma State at the regionals and the Thunder in the final game of the season, I kind of feel like a winner. Why do you feel like a winner about the Thunder? I just wanted to get you fired up because I saw you on Twitter earlier this week. Oh, my God. I just wanted to get you fired up right off the top. I figured it'd be... Uh, You ran the race and you fell at the finish line, Thunder. I mean, to go from third to fourth and they could lose a coin flip to go to fifth, I mean... They significantly hurt their future. There's no way well, to put it. Full on disaster. But anyway. Well, and they waited too long. They should have never have been in that position anyway. But, I agree. But let's hear from Chris University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. I know a lot of people are going to be descending upon Stillwater at Karsten Creek today and, and yesterday and moving forward. Uh, man, what a, what a fun time it is this time of year with golf in full swing. We got the softball ladies going to uh, regionals. So it's a... It's a fun time in Stillwater. The Cowgirls get to host a regional, so we appreciate Chris's University Spirit. Be sure to stop over there if you're going to check out softball or golf today or tomorrow through the weekend. Uh, speaking of softball, Colby, I want to mention this off the top. Softball loses to Oklahoma in the Big 12 Tournament Championship game. They get run-ruled, which there's no shame in that. I think 32 of OU's 45 wins are run-rules, so that's kind of what they do. They just have so many bats, but again, a great season from Kenny Gajewski and they're going to be the the five seed in the regionals, but just what was your thoughts on the, the Big Twelve tournament and the seeding and everything? Yeah, I mean the first couple of games were wild. You had the drop third strike against Texas, which allowed a runner to score from first base after the ball was thrown away into the outfield and then bobbled by the right fielder. So that was just a completely eclectic finish and a great win. And then you got the game against Iowa State, and I unfortunately it was the worst timing ever. I'd watched pretty much the whole game. Oklahoma State was down three to one. A uh, girl from Iowa State had robbed a home run. It just it wasn't going well, and I actually had to leave the house as soon as the top of the seventh inning started. And then Oklahoma State rips off five or six runs in the top of the sixth they beat Iowa State and then they get to play Oklahoma and look I I love Oklahoma State softball I love Kenny Gajewski the things that he's doing up there I love where this program is at and I would love to have another shot at OU but your confidence level just isn't very high going into a game against an absolute freaking juggernaut in Oklahoma and you know Oklahoma State's beat them once this season in four tries there there are not a lot of other teams who could even beat them once um OU I, I think is going to pretty much smoothly walk them their way into another national championship, but hopefully Oklahoma state gets another chance to say something about it. The one thing about OU though, they don't have just that workhorse pitcher that can pitch every single game that when you see teams win the national championship, they usually ride one all American pitcher that in softball, they can pitch virtually every game. They do rest some, but OU kind of has a staff by committee, and that's how Oklahoma State was able to beat them and that their one win over them was they beat up their pitching pretty good. And now, obviously, OU got serious and, and went on a run, and, and OSU didn't win another game against them. But if they do have one slight chance uh, to be beaten, I do think it's their, their lack of like a Samantha Ricketts on the mound. And, I mean, OSU has the pitcher of the year. So if, they, if they're able to win the pitching duel, if they, if they come across them in the Women's College World Series – well, they, they got a fighting chance. Yeah, absolutely they do. It's, it's interesting the points you bring up about not having the workhorse because OU in years past, sometimes, man, they've had a pitcher that they can just throw out there and pitch every game and you just can't hit her at all. And this year, they don't necessarily have that juggernaut. They have several pitchers who are really good, but maybe not just the one that you can run out every game and dominate. But it's just, 
you, you know, most teams, Oklahoma State included, you get to the middle and toward the bottom of the lineup, and you start to see those averages drop off. You start to see those home run numbers and those RBIs drop off. Dude, OU's lineup is so loaded. There's just no let up in OU's lineup. The way they hit the ball is unbelievable. So I think your only chance to beat them is to outscore them. Get one of those pitchers on a bad day and you put up nine runs to OU's eight or something like that because they are just so potent offensively. It's it's unbelievable how well they hit the ball. Yep. There's too many bats. And so again, Kenny Gajewski, they get the five C, get to host a regional. They should get through that and on to and on to super regional. So OSU softball one of the best teams in the country, and it's going to be fun to watch them hopefully get to Oklahoma City and we can talk more about their run as it progresses. But hopefully they don't see Oklahoma till the championship game. That's that's all. That's my only hope. Uh, you now, mentioned that. By the way, if they advance out of the regional as the five seed, then they'll match up with Texas in their first game series, whatever you want to call it, at, at uh, the national championships, which is a little bit of a weird way that that bracket's played. I think they've already played four times. If I remember right, Oklahoma State might have swept Texas on the regular season. So it's not that I hate the matchup. I just find it weird that they're throwing them right in against a team that they've already played time and time again throughout the season. Yeah, they, they swept them. So, I mean, you hate to play another Big 12 team in, in a super regional, but it's a team you're going to have a lot of confidence going against having having swept them in the regular season. So that's going to be fun to watch. What is fun to watch, too, is OSU Golf hosting a regional at Carson Creek. Parston is just one of the best courses in the state, one of the best courses in the country. So I, I wish I could get up there and watch some of the golf, but OSU starting to run away with it. They're right now, as we are recording this podcast, they're 24 under in first place. Second place is 12 under. So they have a 12 shot lead on second place. OSU easily going to advance. And I think two of the storylines, I think that developed so far up at Karsten Colby is, is Bo Jin, the freshman from Beijing, China. He, uh, he struggled out of the gates shooting a 74 and then just got white hot in the second round, shot 65. And Bo Jin just kind of leading the international charge for Oklahoma State. I think, what's it, uh, eight of their 13 players are from another country. So we, we talk a lot about the Edmund North pipeline that runs through Stillwater and that's continuing. And it's really cool when a local kid like, like Austin Eck wrote and all the Edmund kids and, and local kids they've had, like Taylor Gooch. But, man, OSU's really, for throughout their entire history, been a very internationally laden team. You think back to, like, an Alex Noren, obviously, more recently, Victor Hovland and Chris Ventura. So the international guys are, are really coming through for Oklahoma State. Yeah, they absolutely are. Bo Jen is just phenomenal. He's got a great personality. He's fun to be around. Uh, Austin Ekro came on with us on the 73rd hole a few weeks ago said Bo Jen has gotten himself a girlfriend recently and that has sparked some of his good play he's a uh, he's absolutely lovesick up there in Stillwater and we're all lovesick with his golf game man the dude is just going low every time he tees it up and I tell you what Oklahoma State just might be peaking at the right time Carson Oklahoma State is 12 shots clear of second in this regional 24 shots clear of third and by the way the top five teams advance so if you're wondering how many shots Oklahoma State is clear of sixth place that would be 34 shots clear of sixth place over the 15th ranked team in the country, the Auburn Tigers. So Oklahoma State is a lock to be at Greyhawk at the end of next week. Uh, national championship will run May 28th through June 2nd. So it'll start next Friday and run through the following Wednesday. Four rounds of stroke play and then eight teams go to match play. And I tell you what, I you got to be feeling confident as an Oklahoma State fan because from the Big 12 championships to the regionals uh, this week, it's they are peaking at the right time and playing great golf. So I can't wait to see them tee it up in Arizona. They really are playing their best golf now. And another storyline, too, was was Brian Stark, 
the true freshman. Uh, I can't remember where he's from. I have to look up his bio, but he didn't play in the first round. And Alan Bratton sat uh, Bumgarner from, from, Germ yep. from Germany and throws out Stark. And all he does is eagle his first hole and eagle his last hole to shoot a 65. I mean, just an incredible round from a freshman. I think, Colby, you were out at the U.S. Open qualifier out at Oak Tree East, and he yeah. – qualified did he not didn't what didn't he shoot a really good score there as well he did yeah I think he went uh maybe his was the 67 that was on the board I'm remembering and I think 69 that day got you into playoff conditions were tough they had every pin set right on the edge of Pete Dye greens which falls straight off the side for all you golf fanatics out there so yeah he's he's been playing some really good golf and it was a a pretty gutsy move by Alan Bratton to make that switch because Baumgartner was part of that team that won the big 12 championship a couple of weeks ago at Prairie Dunes and you know he looked at it and he said hey it's not your day. We're going to throw Brian in here. And it was a great change. He went out with the afternoon 65 to match Bo Jim. Yep. He played awesome. Uh, let's see here. Oklahoma State's ranked fourth in the country. And you're right, you're right, Colby. They are peaking at the right time. And this is where, obviously, they're going to do really well in, in stroke play. They always do. It's going to come down to match play. And one thing that I'm somewhat optimistic about, even though they're a very young team, they might just be young and dumb in, in a great way where they don't even realize kind of like the, the amount of pressure that they're, they're under. Because one thing that I thought really affected those juggernaut teams they had with Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, Ventura on and Ekro and those guys was they had all the pressure. Like they were the best team and everyone knew it. They, they won so many stroke play events that I think when they got into match play, they, they somewhat struggled in, in terms of the team aspect. I'm curious to see how this team reacts, not being the the clear cut favorite this year to, and when they enter match play and assuming they do. And I, we all think they're going to get there. Now they are Oklahoma state golf. Anytime they tee it up, they're expected to be contenders. I'm not saying they're plucky underdogs they're ranked fourth in the country. I'm just curious to see how the match play might play into their favor for once, because I thought it was a big, big pressure pack situation being the favorite over the last few years. Oh yeah, it was. I mean, that last year, whenever they had Wolf, Hovland and Ventura, I mean, that team was so ridiculously loaded. Uh, that might have been the year after Boshu left, now that I think about it, because they won with Boshu at Karsten. And then in 19, I don't think Bo Boshu, Boshu, Boshu missed the uh, the putt to lose. Boshu was there. You're right. You're yep. right. Boshu was there. He was so, the last guy out. Yeah. Yeah. And he also at Oak Tree East a couple of weeks ago qualified uh, for U.S. Nice. Open. So it, it's just that team was so loaded. Expectations were so high. I, I felt like they got a little tense in the match play. You had a Texas team that was playing loose and free as the underdog, and it kind of hurt them. But this year, I mean, you look at Oklahoma State going in, and, and I think that this year, uh, especially depending on what happens with OU and Albuquerque, OU's kind of been the number one team all year, but they're struggling in their regional and will have to play well tomorrow just to advance to the NCAA National Championships at Greyhawk. Uh, I, I think that it could be much more wide open this year where there's not necessarily one team that you make the heavy juggernaut favorite. And I think that that could bode well for Oklahoma State because this is a team that knows that they can do it and they're playing with a ton of confidence. Yep. Uh, Stark, for the record, from California. I don't know why I, for some reason, thought he might have been an Edmund North kid. But he's he's legit. He's kind of the next crop coming through. And, you know, Oklahoma, the rival Sooners, are ranked number one in the country, and they're struggling in their regional. We were talking a little bit before we uh, hit record. They're, what, ninth in the Albuquerque regional with 18 holes to play? They're currently solo ninth at three under as a team. So – uh, in order to get into the top five right now, South Carolina and A&M are T4 at minus eight. So Oklahoma is five shots behind those two teams. But another problem OU has, 
They're two shots behind both New Mexico and San Diego. They're a shot back of Stanford. So, you know, I've been saying all year, I want to see Bedlam match play for the national championship. I still want to see that. I want Oklahoma to advance out of here because I want all the best teams at Greyhawk and let's go tee it up and see who wins. But I tell you what, OU has five teams in front of them. They're going to have to leapfrog at least four to get into that fifth position tomorrow. So OU is going to have to both play very well tomorrow in the final round. And they're kind of at the mercy of how some other teams play who are ahead of them. It can be done. It absolutely can be done. San Diego today moved up from plus eight to minus five with a phenomenal minus 13 round as a team. OU can do it, and they have the talent to make up that gap. But I tell you what, for, for those unfamiliar with college golf, you run five guys out each round, you take the four best scores. OU cannot have two guys have a bad day tomorrow. They need four guys each to probably shoot 69 or better tomorrow to advance to the national championships. So it will be all eyes on Albuquerque as, like we said, OU's been the number one team in the country all year. And Carson, that's just golf sometimes. Sometimes your golf game just picks a bad week to have a bad week. Yep, and uh, the reason I bring them up because they are the rank, number one ranked team in the country. So that would be a, a big shock, and that'd be another team eliminated that would be standing in, in Oklahoma State's way. Uh, Colby, do you think we could play for Prairie View A&M? They are 60 over par as a team. <laughs> Let me pull up their individual leaderboards. I got I to know what we're at individually. We've got one guy that's 24 over through two rounds. Another guy's 22 over through two rounds. Another 20, a 13 best player on their team is eight over through two rounds. And that's with a 67 that he shot today. So uh, I tell you what, 24 over through two rounds. I don't know in, in competitive play in tough conditions. I don't know that we could play for the team Carson, but I bet we could get fairly close to 24 over in two rounds, even on I, I would like to wager that I could. If I, if I had some stakes on it, I, I might be able to. Can, so. can, I, can I throw out uh, one little – What course uh, are they playing uh, at? So they're playing at – I don't know what the course is. It's in Albuquerque. Maybe it's at elevation. But here's the one thing that might hold me back from shooting that number. course is playing 7,555 yards. That might take me out because I, I just oh, don't yeah. really like hit it far enough. I'm going to have a lot of two irons and three woods into par fours. Yeah, maybe that's – that's probably too much for me. Uh, so that, that's the golf coverage. Can't wait to see Oklahoma State continue to make their charge to Greyhawk. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, to the NFL, Colby, the rookies for Oklahoma State have gotten their numbers. Uh, let's see here. Tevin Jenkins is going to wear number 76, reminiscent of uh, Russell Okung, who wore that for so long at, at OSU and in uh, the NFL. Let's see here. Chuba Hubbard still wearing number 30. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Cuba looks good in his uniform, by the way. Have you seen Have you seen any of these numbers? Uh, I have, yes. I'm a big fan of the Chuba Carolina Panthers uniform. That is a good-looking uniform in that baby blue. Tywin Wallace wearing number 16. It's kind of a, a little kind odd. Of strange no, look. Uh, no, I know the receivers love the the lower-digit numbers, and now they've they've changed the number rules to where you can you can wear more different numbers. But I like this one. Rodarius Williams wearing 25 for the Giants looks sharp. I like it. I mean, I hate uh, the. Oh, I mean, as good as well, a yeah. look. Yeah, you're right about that. Dylan Stoner wearing the iconic Oakland Raiders, or actually, Oakland. I, I'm so bad at that. Las Vegas Raiders wearing number 16. Is that what? Is that what Julian Edelman wore? No, Julian Edelman was 11, I believe. Okay. Yeah, you're right about that. He didn't want to go full on Julian Edelman comparisons. So he's wearing, <laughs> yeah, he's wearing 16. Edelman wore 11. Uh, bondage and wearing number 33 for the Steelers. That's sick. I love that. 
I saw, I'm pretty sure I saw Calvin Bundes driving through Oklahoma City last week. It was a nice, bright OSU orange truck with two black racing stripes down the hood. And the reason I'm pretty sure it was Calvin Bundage is because there was uh, what looked like the nameplate from his locker in the back window that said Calvin Bundage. I'm like, that, that's got to be him. So I guess he wants you to know who's driving around. <laughs> He's got a sweet orange Oklahoma State truck. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, speaking of Tylen, he's already turning heads uh, with the Ravens. He's making just ridiculous catches throughout camp and in rookie minicamp, that is. I just cannot wait to see him uh, play with Baltimore. But you you kind of brought up that it's a poor fit in terms of Lamar Jackson and the lack of targets. And I, I do believe, I, I heard on the radio, actually, I think Baltimore had the fewest amount of targets the receivers did of any team in the league. So you might've been right about that, that, that uh, fit for him. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we'll see how it plays itself out. Uh, I do think Lamar is becoming a better passer. The longer he's in the league, I think that he's actually turned into a pretty good passer uh, in the NFL, but that's just not the design of the offense. The design of the offense is much more uh, set you up with the run and basically beat you down. And if we're ahead, we're just going to continue to beat you down. Now, if they get behind, they start slinging around more. That's what pretty much every team does, but I don't know, man, he's going to be battling for targets with some other guys. They drafted a receiver in this class, Rashad Bateman, uh, a few rounds ahead of Tylen Wallace. So I just, I really wanted like the chargers. I mean, the chargers are going to be throwing it 40 times a game for the next decade with Justin Herbert. Uh, that was kind of my, my best situation. Wouldn't have minded him going to the bills either. Josh Allen uh, slinging it all over the place. But uh, I think Tylen is talented enough that he can make it work in Baltimore. I just hope he gets enough targets and opportunities. Uh, I will say this. We saw a couple of Tylen's major highlights from in college were him blocking he loves to be physical and just absolutely put DBs on the ground. So watch out if you're a defensive back in the AFC North this year, because even if he's not putting up big numbers, Tyler Wallace is coming for you in the running game. Yep. I can't wait to watch that. <clears throat> I can't believe I buried the lead, Colby. I totally forgot to mention this. Eddie Sutton finally getting his due, getting to the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Were you able to see any of the presentations? Because I have some questions. Uh, Carson, I, I couldn't bring myself to watch it. The Hall of Fame, everything that happened with Eddie Sutton, I was just so soured on the whole thing. The fact that they, you know, waited until he was knocking on heaven's door to let him in, the whole thing, just putting it off as long as they did, I still, it disgusts me. It, it Even talking about it now makes me physically angry and I just I have so much hatred in my heart for that Hall of Fame and for the way they handled it. I, I wasn't going to watch it. I didn't tune in. Well, I did because I was working and I had to, I had to show some <clears throat> on the air. It's like they just wanted to do it, get it out of the way and move on. I don't know if Sean Sutton was under the weather. I mean, he spoke the day before at a press conference, but every other person inducted got up there and spoke. And obviously Eddie can't do that for himself. So Sean was speaking on his behalf. They ran like a recorded Zoom message from Sean, even though he was standing on stage and he was like reading, a, reading it off to the side and they aired that really quickly. And then Sean kind of raised his hand and they, they clapped for him and then they moved on after like a, a video vignette right before that. I, I don't understand why Sean wasn't able to take the podium and, and speak on Eddie's behalf. It, to me, it was weird. I may, maybe he was under the weather and, and couldn't speak. I don't know. They, they never gave an explanation. But to me, it was the, just, the, just the capper to the fact that Eddie had to wait so long. They kind of just 
breezed right through him and, and moved on. And clearly there were some huge names in the NBA, but they let Kim Mulkey stand up there and blab away, which she loves to do. Yeah, by I, the way, I, that, that was, was another, terrible. That was another reason I didn't watch. Kim Mulkey is one of my top five least favorite people in all of sports. The day it was announced she's leaving Baylor to go to LSU was a great day because hopefully I don't have to hear her voice ever again. I cannot stand Kim Mulkey. She's one of the most arrogant, self-righteous people I've ever had the displeasure of being around in my entire life. But anyway, off the Kim Mulkey rant, I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe Sean didn't want to give a long speech. You know, I, it's just so controversial, the whole relationship between the Sutton family and the Hall of Fame. And there were other big names, most notably Kobe Bryant. Um, but I, I don't know, maybe that relationship to me, there's just no way that that relationship is not completely sour between the Sutton family and, and the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, know, I know the relationship between the Oklahoma State fan base and the Hall of Fame is certainly sour. So who knows what the reasoning behind that was, but it's just – Another notch for me in the Hall of Fame and the disservice that they've done to Eddie Sutton. Yeah, I mean, at least he's a Hall of Famer. He, he, yeah, no doubt. They, 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 they finally did what was right. They waited too long. So, for me, it's, it's bittersweet. Eddie, Eddie got his due, but he wasn't there to, to see it through. And that's, that, to me, is a, a crime and a shame. And the, the Hall of Fame should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, one quick note on OSU basketball. Gallagher Arena is going to now have on the north side of the arena – the students are going to wrap around three sides of the court, the north end, the west end, and the south end. So they're trying to get more students on the floor to make it even more rowdy than it already was. This will reduce the number of orange chairbacks available on the floor level. So, boy, Colby, the students show up, which they I thought they did a great job despite the pandemic, and they've done a great job despite OSU basketball not being vintage OSU. There's going to be opportunity for some of those big games. That place is going to get loud and rowdy. Carson, I was so geeked when they made this announcement yesterday. I wish it would have been this way whenever I was there. I was there for the Marcus Smart, Markel Brown, LeBron Nash years. I would have loved, loved, loved this. But, hey, better late than never. I'm telling you, GIA is going to be rocking next year. It is absolutely going to be rocking. Mike Boynton has just infused so much life into the program. He, he has a way of connecting with young people as well. He's on campus. He's at the softball games. He's at the baseball games, the football games. He's at the golf course whenever these tournaments are being played. He's all over the place. He's, uh, you know, creating relationships with the fan base and the student base. And that is so, so key. And then you combine that with the fact that it appears Oklahoma State is once again going to put a good product on the floor. I think that those seats are going to be packed just about every night, certainly in conference play and for the bigger games, they're going to be packed. But that's just, I mean, let's do everything we can to return Gallagher-Iba Arena to its former glory. And I think that this only helps that. So we'll have three sides down there surrounded by students. And it will once again, I think, Carson, become one of the most hostile places in the Big 12 to play college basketball. Oh, I can't wait. I wish they would have done that too when I was there. I was there for the Tony Allen run in the final four as early in my college career. So whew, I can't wait. I cannot wait for basketball season. Uh, speaking of basketball, severe Wheeler commits to Kentucky. He had OSU down to his, his final list. Uh, he is, let's see here. He is a point guard. And I think he may have saw Avery Anderson, Bryce Thompson, Isaac likely, and said, you know what, I'm going to go to Kentucky. So OSU does have a scholarship to give, but what, what was your take on, on Wheeler going elsewhere? 
Yeah, I look, I really wanted him. I saw a video early yesterday morning of Severe Wheeler and his dad sitting down watching the highlight reel from Oklahoma State season. And I, I watched it and, you know, his dad, him both spoke very highly of Mike Boynton, the energy that he that he coaches with, the energy that the team plays with. And I really wanted Severe Wheeler. But I think it's kind of like you talked about. There's only one basketball to go around. And Severe Wheeler now at this point where, where he's transferring, he's trying to put himself in the absolute best position to move on to the next level and make money, get in the NBA, have a career. And I, I just think that he looked at Oklahoma State and he's like, you know what? There's only one basketball and there's already a bunch of guys at Oklahoma State who need to touch it. So I, I'm going to go to Kentucky. And who would have thought that we'd said we'd say that? by the way, a year ago. He's going to K Kentucky to avoid uh, being in the crowded backcourt at Oklahoma State. Now, I know Avery Anderson and Bryce Thompson, neither one is a true point guard, but those guys will both handle the ball a lot. Uh, I think Avery's probably more of a true point guard than Bryce Thompson is. Uh, so I wanted Severe Wheeler, but I can't say I blame him. And the big question now, Carson, you still got one scholarship open, and there's a, a few names floating around, some big guys, some guards, Trey Alexander out of the state of, o of Oklahoma, uh, kid from Heritage Hall. So I'm very curious to see now where that last scholarship goes. Yep. Uh, maybe another point guard, maybe another big man. So we'll have to wait and see. I know Mike Boynton's probably, uh, I guess he's waiting for the recruiting period to open up. I think June 1st is when that happens. So he'll be on private jets left and right once that happens. So one more scholarship to add. And I can't wait to see who Mike Boynton lands because he is on fire on the recruiting trail, even if he didn't get Wheeler or uh, Ty Ty Washington, who I think they were pretty high on as well. We got, we got a major this week, Colby. PGA Championship, Kiowa Island. I cannot wait to watch this tournament. I have a buddy that played at Kiowa. We were kind of breaking down the, the course, and it's, a, it's an interesting course, and we got some OSU ties. Matt, Matthew Wolf withdrew. He will not play. Uh, Victor Hovland is one of the tournament favorites, and uh, we got a host of OSU guys to watch this weekend. Yeah, we do. Victor Hovland, like you mentioned, one of the favorites. Taylor Gooch in the field as well, coming off a couple of uh, made cuts, good finishes in a row. Alex Noren played some good golf last week. And then Ricky Fowler, who, of course, is in the tournament on a special exemption. He's currently the 128th ranked player in the world, and they still threw him in a featured group this week at the PGA Championship. That's the <laughs> Ricky way. Ricky Tour Live. That is the weight that Ricky carries whenever it comes to branding and marketing at the PGA Tour level. 128th in the world, and he gets a featured group. Victor Hovland, not in a featured group. Dustin Johnson, number one player in the world, not in a featured group. But Ricky Fowler is, so you can watch him uh, all day Thursday and Friday. But there's going to be a ton of coverage. We'll be able to see all these guys. Tell you what, Carson, Victor Hovland, he strikes the ball so unbelievably well. I have little minor concerns about his short game on what will be some pretty diabolical Pete Dye greens. But, man, if he can hit the greens in reg, I really like his chances this week. Yep, me too. I, I think Spieth's going to win, but I wanted to pick Victor. I think Victor's going to be right there. He might break through. You know, Rory broke through in 2012 at this course. Uh, when his second to win his second major, Victor's been knocking at the door. He's been one of the best players on tour all year long, and this just and I think Victor has improved his around the green and putting enough to win. He's he's unbelievable off the tee, unbelievable approaching, and approach is to me the most important stat this week. Is just you got to hit those greens and get it to stop. And I think he's one of the best in the world at that. And they have a lot of long approaches, which he really excels at with his long irons because that's. That's kind of a lost art now in the PGA regular tour, just a, a normal event because it's driver wedge everywhere else. But Victor's long irons are a real weapon. So I, I love Victor's chances. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him win. 
No, I wouldn't either. I, my pick to win this week is uh, John Rahm. PGA Championship has is kind of notorious for being the the most common first time major winners event. You don't get a lot of you, you never get a first timer at the Masters. You get very few at the U.S. Open and at the Open Championship because those are all you know very unique. The Masters is obviously Augusta, which you have to play several times to learn your way around. U.S. Open's always set up like a beast. It takes you several tries to get used to that. The Open Championship is a totally different band, brand of golf uh, across the pond. The PGA is kind of notorious for first-time winners, so Hovland, I think, would have a great chance this week. Rom has a great chance. Shoffley, I think, has a great chance this week. So, uh, I mean, it's just the strength of field is ridiculous for the PGA Championship. I think the only top 100 player in the world that it's not there is Matthew Wolf. So uh, hopefully Hovland can get it done. And, and honestly, hopefully Ricky can play some good golf and make a cut. He's just narrowly missed it the last couple of weeks. He's shown flashes of good golf, but it hasn't been consistent enough. Would like to see Ricky play well. Uh, and then, of course, I'm a huge Taylor Gooch fan. Uh, got to play against him, not directly. I was not nearly on his level in high school, but got to see him play a lot uh, whenever we were younger. And he, he came on the 73rd Hole podcast with us for a couple hours earlier this year. So huge fan of Taylor Gooch's. He's gotten really interactive with fans lately on Twitter. Would love to see him pop up and get himself a high finish at a major. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, Colby and I do a DraftKings pool every week, just a low dollar amount. But uh, this is kind of going to be how we do our PGA picks. I want to hear both of our teams are locked. We, we won't change these uh, for the weekend. So give me your uh, your highest price guy. Who you got? Highest price, I've got John Rahm at 10-5. That's the guy I think is going to win, and I like him. He's the fourth highest priced on DraftKings. So I, I think that that's appropriate value for John Rahm. He's got like, what, a 35th and a missed cut coming in? Not playing yeah, well. I'm not worried about that. He he had a baby. He was losing sleep. He'll be focused this week. I don't think he's been playing all that well with the new the new setup with his irons and Callaway. He, he didn't put it as well with that new Callaway putter. I, I yeah. like Rom. I usually pick him every major, but I'm just I'm not bullish on him this year. Slow greens this week. I think slow greens kind of brings all the putting together. So I just want the guys who are going to stripe it. Uh, you know, the winds can get so high at Kiowa. They've got, and it's coastal. So they've got what's called Paspalum greens for any of you grass nerds out there. And they keep them slower than typical tour events. Uh, so I think the putting will be neutralized a little bit. So I like Rom. I've got Jordan Spieth as my top guy. I just think the way he's playing, I think he has like nine top 15s. Uh, in his last, stone, I can't remember the exact number of events, but he's just he's he's rediscovered the form that that made him the best player in the world at one point, and why he won on so many majors at a young age. And this course, I think, is a great fit because it's all approach play, it's around the green play. Because if you miss the greens, there's a lot of runoff areas. I just think he's he's been rounding into this form, and I think he's going to win it. I'm I'm going with Jordan Spieth. I do have Spieth in my DraftKings lineup. He's ten thousand one hundred, so he's my second most expensive. Oh yeah, you went big. I did. I did go big. I, I really like speed this week. He's just, you know, he, he played the masters. He was going to take a week off anyway, but then he got COVID. So he was out two weeks with COVID. He switched golf balls in between the masters and the Byron Nelson last week from the 2017 pro V one X to the 2021 pro V one X. I know non golf nerds are out there like, Oh, you're too far in the weeds. Those are the same golf ball. They're, they're different. Not, not a ton different, but they are a little different. And he still went out last week and went it lit it up. But I like the fact that he played well last week and, didn't win because just the the mental uh draining that it takes to win on the pga tour i would much prefer a guy who plays really well and doesn't win coming in the week before a major well and i i love the course fit i mean he's won an open championship he's won a u.s open at chambers bay very 
linksy style courses with wind. And I think that's what we're going to see this weekend. So I, I love speed. So he's, he's my number one, number two, I got Victor. Those are my two guys this week. I think Victor could, could easily, could not easily, but I think I, it would be not be hard at all for me to envision Victor winning. Like I said. Yeah. I, I like, I like Victor as well. I just, I couldn't, couldn't quite squeeze him into my lineup uh, the way it worked out. I'll rattle off my other four real quick, and then you can uh, give yours. I got Shane Lowry, Bubba Watson, Siwoo Kim, and Ryan Palmer. That completes my lineup. I like a lot of those guys. I didn't end up with them. Uh, I like Siwoo a lot. He's a Pete Dye specialist. So I, I like that pick quite a bit. Siwoo's fun. He's, he's a man of the people, the way he smashed his putter at Augusta. I can't believe he didn't go with the free space. Do you know who that is? Uh, the free space. What, Corey Connors maybe? Close. Sam, Sam Burns, oh, 7,500. Yeah. That's a free space. The pricing came out before uh, he finished. He had the 54-hole lead again last week. So Sam Burns, 7,500. I think that's a free space. I got Daniel Berger. I hate playing him. I hate watching him play golf. I think his swing looks horrible. But he's trending. I mean, he came out of nowhere to finish third last week. He's been one of the best players. and He's like top 20 in like six different statistics. And I, I really like his chances this week. Mark Leishman, a great win player. He was quoted this week saying this course fits him better than any course he'll ever play. So I like Mark Leishman's chances. And I hate this guy too. I got guys I don't like on my team. <laughs> Charles Schwartzel. Uh, he's like gaining like an unbelievable amount of strokes approach over his last month. And he's just, he's, he really is playing probably the best golf of his career besides that final round he had at the, at the Masters. Yeah, That's he uh, yeah, the early 2010, 2011, 2012 range, he he played some really good golf. Uh I'm heavy fading Charles Schwartzel this week and there's only one reason. He is by far going to be the most popular cheap guy and I'm just I'm very superstitious, Carson, and it it just feels to me, this is just a gut thing. It feels to me like every time there's a super popular guy who's like outside the top 100 in the world, that guy always comes out whenever people expect a lot of him and just throws out a clunker. So that's me totally ignoring all the statistics uh and just going with my gut. So, uh hopefully it's right. Well, watching him putt with that ridiculous putter and arm locks, hard to watch too. I got, I got yeah. two guys I don't want to watch play, Berger and Schwartzel. Yeah, Berger, I, Berger doesn't bother me. I hate watching Schwartzel putt. Watching Schwartzel putt's the worst thing ever. I would actually rather watch, uh, I would rather watch Daniel Berger swing the golf club than watch Webb Simpson swing the golf club. Oh, uh, yeah. You're, both of those guys, when they hit it, you think it's gone off the planet, like, but it always is in the fairway. It just looks like yes. a bad swing. All, every time. Berger, though, has has like a similar putting routine as you. you. You like to take your time with your putting routine. He's got a similar. He marks it. He looks at it. He marks at it. He looks at it. He's kind of, he's kind of similar to you. Maybe you have an I, affinity for Daniel Berger. I do. I actually, uh, in another pool that I'm in, which is a little bit bigger pool, I've got Daniel Berger this week as one of my two golfers that I picked in another pool. So I do like his chances. He's, again, you talk about uh, ball striking, being able to play from the fairway and hit these Pete Dye greens. His strokes and approach lately have been through the roof. He's hitting a ton of greens in regulation. So I do like his chances this week. Yep. I love it. Colby, enjoy uh, the PGA Championship. I guess we'll talk to you later in the week. We'll probably break down the first round or so. We'll break down OSU Golf, where they finished up, and uh, much more. We'll talk to you then. Absolutely. Sounds like a plan. Go Pokes.